Hi, I'm Erin, and you're listening to The Erin Roy Show. On a cozy fall evening, I was fortunate to make soup for and share in conversation with enigmatic dancer and choreographer Jasmine Hearn. Jasmine was fresh off the stage from performing at Brooklyn Academy of Music and being featured in a New York Times article about the role of dance in a politicized world. Hi, this is Erin, and I'm sitting here with Jasmine Hearn. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And we're in my apartment in Brooklyn, (laughs) (laughs) and we just had soup. Yeah, it was really good. Okra Mm -hmm. changes lives. It does change lives. (laughs) (laughs) Spreading love through okra. Yeah. Uh, And so you were funny when I said okra. You were like, I grew up in the South. Where'd you grow up? I, I mean, some people would say, it's not really the South, but I think, what? It is as south as you could possibly be. Um, I feel like in the actual state, I um, mean, in the actual con- United States, I am I from Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. Um, I have born and raised, um, yeah, Texas, its own country, <laughs> some people say. It is its own country. Uh, and we're in the week of Thanksgiving. It's 2017. Mm-hmm. What are your plans for Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving's kind of weird. I mean, it's like genocide. So, um, usually I just want to remember my family, um, the family members that I have, the ancestry that I have that are native folk of this land. Um, and I like to think about whose land we're on, meditate. Um, but then, you know, who your family is, depending on whether or not they want to participate in that. They always want to eat. So um, I'm going to head over to Philly and hang out with some really dear, sweet people um, and be with folks, be with folks remembering and also to laugh. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me and my Um, girlfriend. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be good. (laughs) And I love your answer because I, I feel like one of the things that attracted me to you in the first place was just your, you are unabashedly honest, <laughs> which I find incredibly brave and courageous and inspiring. And yet sometimes I get the feeling that it's hard for you to mm. speak up and speak out. Yeah. And that that's been quite a journey yeah. for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm always the person who says, the thing, and I say it, and it, but sometimes it falls out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Did I actually want to say that out loud? Oh, it's too late. Um, and other times I'm grateful for it. Um, I think what it takes to, you know, be someone who's immediately identified as a woman, um, especially as a black woman, it's like, where can you take up space? Where can, whether it be um, physical space, um, you know, sound space, like what, how can you be in space? How can you exist? Um, And I've learned to just talk, to say what I mean, um, and to hopefully come from an honest and kind place. 
Sometimes that doesn't really work out, but, you know, we're human. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes and we learn. And do you have a practice for sort of filtering through what you're saying and determining whether it's kind or mm. is that more of an after the fact and then you apologize? <laughs> I try. I try to take a pause. I mean, most of the time when I enter into any kind of space, any kind of new territory, um, I'm one not to talk. I'm usually one to be quiet. Folks think I'm shy. That's cute. Um, you know, and it's like, okay. Or sometimes people say I'm intimidating, which I'm like, what? No. Please stop. Um, but uh, then eventually when I understand the situation or the environment or understand the priorities that are in the room, I realize what I what can I contribute to the conversation um, or if I even want to participate in the conversation. Um, and with that, then I trust myself. I trust my intuition. We've done all this kind of work as our own individuals, um, as adults, doing all this kind of work, all these different kinds of work. So at some point, it's like you got to let yourself um, do your thing. And then when you realize you mess up, you own up to it (laughs) and you um, move forward. You do what you need to do and you move forward. Mm -hmm. And so let's see. If you think it's cute when people say you're shy and you're not intimidating – or don't believe yourself to be, what What do you think, how would you describe yourself? Myself. I would describe myself as quiet. Um, I don't know. It's really weird to just try to think of yourself. I think I'm tall. I think I'm... And how? what is your physical height? I'm actually like five, four, maybe three. And I'm not going to say... How tall maybe. are you in your mind? I, I feel like I'm just... I, I feel, how tall are you? I'm 5'10". Sometimes I, when whoever I'm around, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm their height. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh yeah. My girlfriend's 5'9". I'm like, um, I'm five, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. So, <laughs> height. No, but it's, I'm 5'4", um, and I'm rather small framed. And I really think I'm like tall and quiet and, um, Yeah, I, I think of those things as myself, but really I'm a small person who um, has lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> and did somebody, I, I understand that when I'm asking this question, ultimately the answer is we give ourselves permission, hmm. but who gave who gave you, who, who, who helped you understand the power of your voice yeah. and the ability to, to change lives through speaking up and speaking out? Um, I was raised in a household of um, women in this really um, beautiful way. My parents got divorced when I was younger. Um, and my dad, you know, it, he is amazing and supportive, um, but I didn't live with him. I lived with my mom. I lived with my sister. My grandmother lived right down the street. My aunt lived right down the other street. It was like I lived in this awesome coven. So my mother was always very much one to be like, I can't hear you. Because mm. I would, I wouldn't want, really want to talk that much. I wanted to hide. Um, but my mother would always asked, not asked, demanded me to, you know, if you're going to say something, articulate what you're, you're going to say. Um, and I was very much... Um, encouraged to um, speak. 
speak at church, be a lector, uh, say the morning announcements in school. And if I decided to commit to that task, my mother would make me read it out loud like 10 times in front of her before I did it. So I was like, okay. And I didn't realize that kind of um, practice was so important until later. Um, and how I became comfortable talking in groups and um, talking with large groups of folks um, at a younger age, even when I had like, kind of, I still have anxiety talking with like people one to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I continued further down the line, I never was a, a singer but I've always wanted to sing. So over the past two to three years, I've been um, allowing or letting myself sing um, and really um, committing myself to that kind of um, exploration. I've been working with different teachers from Lisa Harris to Sunita Singh, um, and that's been amazing. And then also just working with other folks like David Dorfman um, and before that, Marjani Forte Saunders, who who were, who just were like, you're going to say this now. And I didn't know what to do, especially with her. She made me do this really intense monologue. I was like, wait, what? You want me to do, you want me to say what? Mm. And um, she asked so much of me in a way that I never had been asked before. Um, And I accessed so, such a range of like, I had no idea I could talk that low. I had no idea I could be so far up in the heavens as well as deep in the ground simply with my voice. So um, just working with all these different folks and um, trusting them and trusting myself in the process to grow um, and to not be afraid. Mm, That's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Are you able to... (laughs) I said it is. (laughs) Are you able to recognize when you are being guided by fear how do you recognize mm. when you're scared? And mm-hmm. then what's that adjustment that you make in order to meet the moment? Mm-hmm. I feel like there are two moments. There are two modes that I have. It's either um, you're going to be, you have so much fear um, and you're so anxious that it's going to keep you up at night, that you won't be able to eat and you, you'll, everything is bright and you can't really function that well or the other mode is is to completely detach from most feelings and basically just say I don't care I don't care I'm just gonna do it anyway or I don't care I'm gonna do the thing that I'm most afraid of doing um and usually I live in one or either or and I would love to like fluctuate as if it was like a spectrum mm-hmm. that'd be great that's like that seems that seems goals that's my goal but right now it's just these two extremes and um especially when it comes to doing like performance work um yeah there is a moment where I literally am like it's not I don't care it's just I detach and just say okay this is what we're doing now this is what we're doing now you're, you told me, like, for instance, Marjani had me naked, almost naked, saying a monologue where I was doing so many random things and cursing. Mind you, my mom's in the audience. And I'm from the South, and I'm like, I can't curse for my mom. And it's like, yes, you can. you got to be 
gotta be a professional jazz. And then um, like jumping on people in improvisational ways and being really scared about that. Um, but finally, I mean, you have to just say, this is what we're doing. And we're doing it right now. And then you do it. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and then while you're doing and when I'm performing, I don't know. I'm not me completely anyway, so it doesn't even really matter. But after the fact, it's really, oh, wow, that just happened. We did that. Great. Grateful. Will I do it again? Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I'll... It makes a lot of sense. Are you a spiritual person? Yes. I, mean, I was raised Catholic, like hardcore confirmation. I was raised to be very much very religious person. Um, but even in my me navigating that, my mother my mother's also a Pisces and I find that she's very intuitive. And in the end she named it. She was like, you're very spiritual. You may not be religious because I was so interested in learning about other religions. And I took world religion class and Wanted to know about other people's, like, way of honing into spirit and what does it mean to be connected. And um, and then I found out that, yes, I am a very spiritual person. Do I have, like, a very rigorous way of um, maintaining or upkeeping that? I don't know if I can name it with words, but I, I find that I always return to something. And yeah, I do call myself a spiritual person. And when you said earlier that when you perform, you're not yourself. Oh, yeah. Is that a spiritual experience or is it more uh, how will you elaborate on that that idea a little bit more? Um, Working with folks like Marjani Forte and being surrounded by other um, black women who have given me such language for this experience I realized that, um, I mean, as as performers, as dancers, as actors, as people who sing, you you know, you're coming from your own experience. You're coming from your own truth. Um, but I and and I also believe that once I allow myself to be open, um, because we do all this training, we do all this training for then to be open (laughs) to receive. Um, And I believe that I receive spirit from ancestry. I believe that um, folks that have come before me who I'm connected with are also telling stories through me. It's not just me, it's everybody who brought me here and who's always with me. Um, And so I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel for um, forgotten stories. I'm a vessel for um, so much that is not at all articulated in history books or in ways that we talk about um, history, history, um, how how we've come to this moment. So um, it's not just me, no. It's like it's, it's all my people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I'm very grateful. Although it can be, you know, so exhausting mm-hmm. to to be that for the, for them. And how do you, how do you replenish yourself? I'm figuring that out mm. every day, every time I'm figuring it out, um, trying to make it a, a sustainable practice. Um, but I know that one thing I do is I, I surround myself with people um, that 
that love me and that support me. Um, and if you don't, then I usually put some distance between me and that person. Um, but I find that just without actually thinking about it, I make sure I have good people around me. Um, after like a big show, I usually get, I usually just want to sleep. Um, cause I usually probably don't, um, during that whole preparation for the performance. Um, but I do do a practice. Um, I don't really call, I don't really call what I do yoga because I feel like yoga is so spiritual. And what I do is that Bikram 26 postures, hmm. with two breathing exercises. That's what I'll call it. I've been doing that for about 10 years now. Um, started when I was in high school. And it, that's something that I find um, I always return to. It's like a ballet class or like mm-hmm. a Catholic mass. You know, it's going to be all the same everywhere. So you can trust that. Mm-hmm. It's the only constant I have in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's that. There's surrounding myself with people. And then there's also um, a practice of making things. Of um, I bake. I make mm-hmm. granola. We, we talked about my bean practice. Um, but being with food and being with food for a long amount of time. Um, sometimes I connect it with like potion making if I was a witch, but ways of being with something and allowing it to transform and you being a facilitator for transformation. Mm -hmm. So that suits me. Baths. Baths. (laughs) Also. (laughs) You would not want to take a bath in my bathtub. Not because it's not clean, but because it's a New York bathtub and it will never actually be clean. (laughs) Um, let's see. So... I love the way that you speak of yourself as a vessel and as somebody who is telling the stories of, of not only your experience, but your ancestors. I appreciate the fact that it's not only history, but her story. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as an artist, you have the, do you feel like it, as an artist now in 2017 mm-hmm. that you also have to be an activist or are you simply sort of moving along where your inner spirit tells you to go? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's funny because, um, like maybe a couple last week, um, Siobhan Burke from New York times asked me a very similar question. Um, and I think that because of how America was started, like how it began, doesn't matter what time period I'm in, I would always be probably coined as an activist, as an organizer, um, simply by doing what I want and being black and being queer and being a woman. That's already radical. The fact that I want to take care of myself, that's a radical notion as well. Um, and and ever anybody who ever um, proclaims self-love, that's pretty fucking radical as well. Um, so I just really think that, um, yeah, I do identify as an activist and as an organizer. Um, but a lot of, yeah, it's just, it's, we, I, folks want to talk about how this current political, um, administration, um, is affecting them. And it's always been that way with, um, like the roots have always been there. It's always been coming from a place of racism 
And it's always been coming from a place of um, folks being like, there's, you know, just in time where folks and still are, we're still, we're still, that's the foundation. Slavery was a foundation. And then from there, we're here. So we'll always be in reference to that because that was my family. So I don't, yeah, whether or not in any other time after this, will activism, it's very confusing to me. I just think that because of what it is that I want to do and because of what I want to shine light on, um, folks are going to call it political any Mm. day. It's interesting because you make me realize that activism is almost like a hot word right now Mm. and that you're you are doing what you were called to do. And Mm -hmm. right now it is activism. Mm -hmm. And I see what you mean by no matter where we are in history, you, by being true to who you are. Yeah. It's very interesting. It sounds like your mother was an incredible woman. She is. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 She's awesome. Yeah. She's like, and she's a nurse. But she's also one of those, she's like a really good friend. Uh She's that person that, because I always saw her surrounded by such good people. But I also um, took, identified the fact that she really um, valued her relationships with her friends. She still does in a way of, she looks out for them in ways that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money um, growing up. But she and she um, just was so aware about of all the other things that, you know, money can't really buy. Um, and it was really awesome. It, it is still really awesome just to see her just in conversation with folks and making sure that they feel loved and listened to and supported. Um, yeah, it's just I'm like, oh. Okay, and I'm so glad I had a chance to witness that because, you know, she couldn't pick me up every day from school. So sometimes she would have to call some of her friends to pick me up, you know, and it became and it was such a village that raised me. Um, What does it mean to be in community? Um, And she very much I was one to just want to be alone. Mm. But I learned from her how important it is to work together and to play together and to laugh together and to also like mourn and grieve together as folks um, to build memories and to, um, yeah, to help, especially those moments when you think you're all alone mm-hmm. and you're, and you're not, mm-hmm. um, she makes pralines. She's a, can- they call her the candy Yum. lady. Um, so that's pretty awesome. So I, sweet. this idea of like her being a nurse, but then also being someone who makes sweet treats. It's just the best. <laughs> yeah. I, I love my mom. She's amazing. And yeah. every day I'm so grateful. You asked me how long I've lived in New York. Mm-hmm. You came in and I said, I've been here about 10 years. How long have you been here? So it's complicated. Oh, uh, I know. New York stories always are. Always are. <laughs> um, I went to Point Park University to receive my undergrad in dance. Um, from there, I've, all these things happened. And in the end, I um, graduated got into a company, the company folded, and then I became a freelance dance artist. And from there, I met Marjani Forte somehow at a festival. And I went, I just said, hey, I'm really interested in your work. If you ever need a dancer like me, I'm a 
I'm definitely available. Um, and she's based in New York. So from there, I established a relationship with her where I would travel via Megabus. Mm-hmm. Mm, a lot, a lot. My sacrum, I feel so sorry for my sacrum. <laughs> but I would spend a lot of days um, and a lot of, just a lot of nights on a Megabus where I would be in Pittsburgh, catch a Megabus overnight, be in New York by 7 a.m., go to rehearsal, be in rehearsal. And sometimes I got to stay in New York for an extended amount of time to rehearse. Other times I would just take another mega bus immediately back. And that's like an eight hour journey on a bus. Um, so I did that for quite a while. Um, all while people were are just saying, why don't you just move to New York? But there was something about Pittsburgh that I still love it there. It's gorgeous. And the rent cheap was very cheap when I was there. And it just gave me this, the liberty to travel. Um, and I started doing this thing where I was in Houston and in New York and in Pittsburgh or Philly and New York and Pittsburgh. And I did that thing. And then I finally was like, okay, now I'll just share a room with someone in New York. And then it became, okay, I'm just gonna sign a lease. And I signed a lease in New York maybe two, ago um like being someone who's who's always not always because you're never always in New York but <laughs> there was this time where I was like okay I'm committing myself and I've been um lucky and living with really beautiful people for the past two years um almost two I don't know I don't even understand time but I'm just gonna say two years just to say say something <laughs> um and so I can celebrate it soon that'd be fun and what is how is community in New York, how have you created your community? How does it compare to communities that you have been part of elsewhere? Mm -hmm. Yeah, New York, you know, we, we're working all the time. Um, Pittsburgh, I didn't have to work as much as I do here. And that was cool for the time that I was there. I was younger. I was I was doing, I had a yoga community in, in Pittsburgh. I, um this awesome queer community that's there and this awesome dance community that's there. It's small. While here, um, I found the I found different dance communities through the different applications I applied to. Um, upon, like, after I was here for a little while, I applied for the Von Lair Fellowship, Movement Research Fellowship, as a joke, and I got it. So by that opportunity, I was able to be more in communication with folks in the um, movement research, Judson Church kind of circle, um, working with different folks like Tara, Aisha Willis, um, starting to like become friends with folks that, you know, I only would see at performances briefly or would see on Facebook. Um, surprised that some folks knew who I was because I was like, what? And it was like, right, social media, it works occasionally. Um, but yeah, by, by working, you know, you start finding those people that you always end up working with. Um, and then by doing those random jobs, you were like, oh my gosh, I love your work. And we never talk. And now we do. Um, yeah, New York is a lot more effort um, being folks friends, but because you get to do so many cool things in this city, it's always super fun when you make that effort, I think. Um, when I signed a lease, I also um, fell in love with someone at the same time. 
And that was really, that is Did really, they fall in love with you as well? Oh, yes. Okay, We're great. together. Okay, um, <laughs> and it was just, it's just so amazing because, you know, you get to meet their friends. You get to meet their family. And she's been here for about 15 years. Oh, wow. So it's very like, oh, I never thought I would be in Streb in Williamsburg and like at her, at her friend's baby shower. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is cool. Um, but uh, New York, yeah. It's like I realized that I have a, I've a couple, a few close, close folks here. And then everybody, and then there are folks who I like want to support as an artist, um, as a fellow. And there are those circles. And then they're like, the ways that you know people that don't even dance. And that's the thing. It's because dance is my life or performance is my life 24 hours a day. When you finally, not finally, but when you do get to have connections with other kinds of folks who do other kinds of work, that's always amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, community in New York. Yeah, right now I identify it as like the folks that I live with and then dance but I think that the more time I'll spend here, the more time possibly I'll have to connect with other kinds of people. I know I want to, like, volunteer mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I know I want to work on um, gardens. Mm. I want to, like, be in, the, be in the dirt. So I'm hoping that, you know, just by saying that, I just planted a seed, too. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Be, <laughs> be with other people and... Um, yeah, contribute to community. And then the Bronx itself is such a specific community. Um, yeah, especially um, the community that that is around um, BAD. Um, it's Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, sorry, Bronx Academy of Arts and Dance. Mm. But it's like this awesome venue mm-hmm. that um, my roommate works there. But I've had such opportunities to share work there. And then by being there, it's always like a good time. So that community, yeah, okay. That's another community. So you've got yeah, lots of them. I've got, got lots of them. I, I could probably not stop talking about them, <laughs> but I will. Uh, <laughs> I learned about community living in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh-huh. which is where we met. Yeah. And if you don't mind, mm-hmm. one of the things that I love about New York is how diverse it is and how beautifully, and not always beautifully, but how we beautifully try to coexist. Mm-hmm. And learn from and be with each other. Jackson Hole is an incredibly homogenous (laughs) environment. (laughs) And I remember talking to you there after you had come from the farmer's market. And it struck me, we had a conversation. I think you ran into something or somebody or, and you were worried as a black woman in the farmer's market that you would be treated. Yeah not well yeah it it didn't strike me honestly until then how alienating it feels to be a black woman in a white community Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about what that feels like for you yeah I mean I just uh I think by being a performer and a dance uh, someone who's on tour you have you are asked to be in all different kinds of spaces and so you're you're prepared or you learn how to prepare yourself. It was very interesting being in Jackson Hole because I remember the first day I got there, we went to some sort of bar or something. 
and I was asking for a drink and some dude like kicked me in the shin because he wanted me to move and he didn't use his words. So Mm -hmm. he kicked me. And some people were like, oh no, it was like an accident. You could probably, no, I was like, but the actual amount of force that someone uses to, I don't know, the actual amount of force he used to do whatever kind of gesture, I was just like, that came from a place of aggression. Um, So I was like, okay. And then understanding who lived in Jackson Hole and then, you know, as we get a sense of the community, the environment, um, I'm already like, I am someone who is very anxious and very fearful all the time, usually all the time. Um, so, you know, I'm always like on guard. I'm always listening. I'm always trying to be prepared um, for the worst. And that's exhausting. Um, so each time, like each place you go to, you try to figure out how can you, um, sustain, how can you just sustain and how can you not only survive, but thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, so by being there, um, in the end, it's simply also me saying how I feel and not being afraid that someone's gonna think I'm being overly sensitive or, oh, you're doing that or, and you're that and you're, and I'm like, I don't care. Because um, people can say a lot of different things in the world. And right now I'm just stating what my own truth is. Mm-hmm. So there was, there is that. And it's so interesting that you said that. Because I don't actually remember all of what just happened, all what happened in Jackson anymore. Um, but I do, but it is funny how I just, I came back from a residency in Cassis um, in France, which is like an old school town where it's like mostly white folk, like people who would, um, historically be called white and I'm in this space and other folks who are visiting are usually um, folks with money who are usually probably going to immediately be identified as white and also you know I don't have hair um, so already there's something queer about me um, and I'm small and I'm black and I'm just roaming around <laughs> the coast of France and I'm like okay um, and how yeah how sad I was like how incredibly sad I was um and depressed and fearful and then at the same time um because I had such alone time there so not only was I doing all these things and navigating all these spaces I was navigating them by myself with not many people that looked like me or sharing that experience and then coming into like my little room where I was the only person there as well and I realized what great healing was happening here um because I was able to experience these things and then also not lie to myself about them and then and have to deal with it all um, I had really great support from my mother and from um, Charmy, um, my girlfriend, and I could call folks and I could, I got some support from mentors in like the email format. But me actually being there for a whole month, I was like, oh, this is what this is. Um, and also connecting it to other times that has happened and maybe even like realizing it the first time it's happened in my life. Um, and just understanding what is going on and also understanding what I'm responsible for and what I'm not responsible for and how all of this can also um, be used to um, make work, to write song, to um, be in dance, um, 
to become articulate, become articulate in my experience so that I can then share it with others. Because of course, there's someone else who's experiencing this, not the exact same way that I am, not never, because we could never do that. But sharing some of it, yeah. And um, so how can we then like shift it? How can we shift what this is? Um, And how can we not be afraid to talk about our experiences so that other, so others won't maybe have to experience it like I did. Um, I then, cause I then articulated it to the, to the staff of the place where I was staying. And I was like, Hey, this is how I felt as a black queer woman. And they were like, Oh, and I was like, yeah, it's just something to think about. And now I get to go. And everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that I when I when when we had a conversation now a couple of years ago, I really appreciated your honesty and mm-hmm. I really appreciated just your ability to speak to speak up and to not shy away from those conversations. And what is so obvious to you wasn't even so obvious to me, which I think mm-hmm. is an oversight in itself on my part. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me that like something about our conversation made me realize that it's okay to make mistakes mm-hmm. and it's okay. Like we're, I, I or other people and other people, like we're going to have to make mistakes through our speech mm-hmm. in order to get to the heart of conversation right. and to the heart of the matter and to make people be seen and be heard and, like your what you just experienced, or the description of what you experienced in France, feeling isolated, and what sounds like very lonely, right, mm-hmm. is not unique to you, mm-hmm. but your experience is incredible. Like, yeah. So, like, because of all of the intersectionality of how folks want to identify me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of who I am and how I um, process anything is going to be very specific. This is my specific truth. However, we can all feel um, similar emotions. We can be in um, similar states. Um, but, you know, it's not identical, but it is, it is a way of bringing language to how we're feeling so that we can then share, so that we then can communicate and um, hopefully go to a place or move onward to a place where, um, I mean, it's always going to happen. So making space for that conversation to happen, um, being patient with Mm -hmm. folks, Mm -hmm. being patient with folks who are feeling some type of way, being able to um, not only listen to words, but also see it in the bodies, to hear it in um, the breathing, um, to see how maybe someone's hand is trembling, you know, finding those, all those little details and still be able to hold the big picture as well. Um, It's such a, it's such a task, but I'd rather spend my energy doing that work than like, being scared all the time mm-hmm. or being hateful all the time, you know? Yeah. And that's, I admire that about you a lot because even in just in this interview, you've mentioned, you know, feeling small or wanting to hide at times. Mm-hmm. And I know those impulses. Yeah. I see you being so brave in spite <laughs> of those instincts. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. 
I mean, my grandma is small and she did so much amazing work as a teacher. Um, I always talked about it with her and she was just like, I'm so proud that you're doing what you love to do in connection with dance. And I, you know, I didn't even think that she didn't even love to, I mean, I bet she loved the experience in the end, but like maybe it wasn't really what she wanted to do. Um, but there is something about my grandma where she traveled the world. Hmm, really? Like she traveled the whole almost the whole entire world. Wow. She has scrapbooks of it. And I know that definitely was like, oh, I can go anywhere. <laughs> I can go anywhere I want. Um, which is uh which is a great thing to like remind yourself. Um in a way that's, you know, respectful of other people's um space. But yeah, I can I can go wherever I want. Mm-hmm. I can I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. And then you know a lot of people are gonna say no you aren't and some people are gonna try to stop me. And then I'll just have to be, I don't know. Then that moment will be there and we'll have to deal with it then. But right now I'm just going to like do what I want. (laughs) Speaking of doing what you want, you're a choreographer, you're a dancer in people's companies, you perform your own work. What's your dream? Like, oh my gosh. I know. Oh... I don't, the thing is, is that I could, I didn't even think I was going to be able to be a dancer. Um, folks said I didn't have rhythm. In college, a lot of people said I was too fat. And then also that I wasn't talented. There were just all these things where I was just like, oh, well, it might not happen, but I'm going to do all these other little things to try to make it happen. And then you find yourself, like, if I could really just whisper in my eight-year-old, like, ear and just be like it's gonna be okay and that would be amazing um I probably did I probably heard it when I was eight just from <laughs> this moment if you don't want to think of time as a linear thing um it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay um but yeah sometimes I never really have the audacity to that's not true you know when people like write down like write down the list like mm-hmm. Octavia Butler the fact that the science fiction writer, she um, basically wrote all the things that she wanted to do and kind of like forgot about it. And then it was found after she passed away and she did every one of those things. So it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, these are the things I would like to do. Do I actually think that they're going to happen? I'm super pessimistic and say, no, never. They're never going to (laughs) happen, whatever. And then and then give it some time, and then I then I look and I, oh I I did it, I did the thing I thought oh I did oh and I, and I didn't do it it wasn't just me it was help it was support, but I got to experience these moments, so now what do I want? I don't know, um, I don't know yet. Hmm. I'm riding a I'm riding a wave. I know that for sure. You are right. I mean, it's an amazing wave. Yeah. And I'm trying to listen and I'm trying to be responsible. Um, I'm trying to, uh, you know, when you, at a certain point, you become a gatekeeper. So how can I not be an asshole? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how can I listen to other folks who are wanting to do similar work? How can I help? people by reading their applications for grants how can I you know all this work and then you have to do your own work um but there are a couple people I love to dance with collaborate with 
I know I want to travel some more. Um, I really want to make a perfect frittata. I've been really working on it. Um, I would like to go on vacation with Charmin because we haven't gone on like a vacation. Um, I want to go to Greece with my mom. Uh, <laughs> but I want to, I want to, perf- I want to share um, this work that I've been working on called Shook and different iterations of it. I would love to share it with Houston and New Orleans and um, Morocco. But this is just me saying things right now. Um, I really don't know, and I feel like I'm going to go have to go home and write down all the things I want to do. <laughs> just because you asked, and now I feel like, oh, goodness. I'm, I think I'm going to write things down, too. <laughs> um, let's see. We have only about a minute left. Okay. What does that um, mean? What's, I'm just going to throw out some questions, and we'll do quick answers. All right. Um, what's the hardest thing in your life right now? Mm, the patriarchy, racism, my own doubt, and uh, yeah, cold weather. <laughs> What's the most beautiful thing in your life right now? Um, all the new babies that are coming out. They're sweet and brilliant, like my niece Jackson and all the other nieces and nephews and also folks who don't want to be gendered, um, them, they're awesome. And uh, the the hope, there's hope, there's a lot of hope Um, and love. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we will end there. Thank you so much for your generosity and your bravery and for oh. spreading the light. and Thank you for having me, Erin. I welcome. mean, it's a good conversation that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and it does now. <laughs> and it does. It's there. It's here. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Erin Roy Show. I'll leave you with Liz DeLise and her song, Clouds Up Ahead. <laughs>